Good morning, Full Life family. How, how are you guys doing this morning? Everybody good this morning? Good to see you in church today. You know, does it, does it do anybody else's heart good to watch these young ones just sing their hearts out, you know, and just as I said earlier, that, that psalm that I, I'm reminded of that when children pray, something powerful happens. Amen? You've ordained it. So I love that, and I'm just so thankful for our, those who, who work with our children week in and week out. Can I just, can we give them a good hand today? You know, they, they, uh, they, they don't just take care of your kids. No, they, they believe that your kids uh, have a, a purpose, right? They're created on purpose for purpose, and we're trying our best to instill in them the idea of worshiping God passionately, loving his word, loving, learning how to pray. All of these things are very intentional. That's what your, your children are being taught on every Sunday. And so I just want to say thank you to all of you who work with our kids week in and week out. So it's an honor, isn't it? Amen. Well, we're in a series called uh, Advent. We're talking about these four words. Week one, we talked about the word peace and how that peace comes from an, an inward relationship with Christ and how it's, it's not based on what's happening outside, but what's on the inside of you, that a relationship with Christ brings peace. Aren't you glad he brings peace to your life today, that he is the Prince of Peace? And then last week we talked about uh, the word hope and that, how that hope is an, an expectation of good. How I many of you know that God has good in store for you? Even though it doesn't always happen that way, that, that good always happens to you, but you know the, that God has an outcome of hope for you and an expectation of good. So today we're going to talk about joy. Everybody say joy. Anybody feeling joy right now? Amen, amen. So we're going to light these candles. So the first one again represented, representing hope. The second one representing peace. And then today we're lighting the candle of joy. All right? I'm going to lay this down because my wife gets on to me when I hold on to it too long. So we're, we're going to talk about this idea of joy today. And, and maybe as you're thinking about joy, maybe you associate it with happiness. And I'm, I just want to make sure that you understand there's a difference between joy and happiness. Amen? And so we're going to talk about that today and I'm going to give you some some ideas about how that works. So as we're in this third week, remember we're talking about the uh, two arrivals. We're looking back to celebrate and, and we're very thankful for the first arrival where Jesus came as a baby in a manger and then grew up to die in our place to save mankind. Aren't you glad that he did that? Aren't you glad he was willing to clothe himself in human flesh? And just also that you understand that it wasn't just about that. It was also so he could understand and kind of empathize with where you are. Because how many of you know that, that he knows what you're going through? That he was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Aren't you glad for that reality today? And then, uh, you know, this idea of peace and hope, are, they're just, it's such a transcendent thing that we're talking about. That hope and peace are not based on circumstances either. So everything that we're talking about is all about the first arrival where Christ came, but also, what are we doing? We're looking forward to the day that he comes in the clouds. Anybody looking forward to the day that the trumpet sounds and we get out of here? I'm looking forward to that day. And so we're, we're in between these two arrivals. We're in between the first arrival and looking forward to and anticipating the second arrival. So in the meantime, we have to live this thing called life, don't we? We have to face the ups and downs, the ins and outs, the, the struggles. We have to face... All of the money problems and the relationship problems and the health problems, all these things come at us, especially sometimes in this season, it maybe is amped up a little bit. 
And when we understand that, that everything that we're talking about today uh, gets us into a place where we're, we're going to transcend those things that are happening to us and that may be at us. So the longings that you're, you're actually wanting to fulfill in your relationship with Christ or in life can only be found in one place. You might know where that's found. It's found in Jesus. It's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when we're talking about the joy, we're talking about it's not happiness. It's not this pursuit of, of happiness because how many of you know happiness does this? I'm up one day, I'm down the next, you know, I'm flying high, and then I get that, that bad report from the doctor, or I get a, a, a letter in the mail that I owe more on my taxes than I thought I was going to. All those things seem to, seem to do what? They seem to poke a hole in our, joy, in our happiness. And so we're, we're facing this idea that maybe joy is a little more than that. So joy comes through this. Let me just, I'll help you. Can you just bring the lights up? I like to see y'all's faces. Can we bring those lights up just a little bit? How many of you want to see? Oh, there we go. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good. You look good. You look good. I love it. All right. So we're talking about this idea that joy can be um, very fulfilling. Now, again, it's, it's, a, it's a personal relationship with Christ that we're talking about. It's what Christ came to do that sets you up for walking in joy. Now, I, I found a biblical definition for joy that I want to read to you. It's really a good working one that I feel like. Here's what, here's what it says. It says, biblical joy is choosing. Everybody say choosing. To respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction. Why? Because we know that God will use these experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives. And so, you, you notice it's a choice. You know, it's a choice to have joy. It's not something that you're just going to just kind of float around with your emotions. So I want to go back to the very first story of Christmas in Luke chapter 2. And I want to read to you the account. And wasn't it funny watching the kids tell the story of uh, Christmas? Have you enjoyed that? So funny, out of the mouths of babes. Again, it's just so fun to hear them do that. It's great. But anyway, here's, here's the, the account out of Luke's gospel uh, two verses we're going to read. It says, but the angel said to them, talking to the shepherds, right? This is the message. Do not be afraid. Notice that. How many of you would, would get afraid if all of a sudden this angel popped out of the sky? I would be scared to death. So he has to tell them, all right, hold on. I'm not out to get you. I'm actually coming with good news for you, right? And so he says, I bring you good news. And what's the outcome going to be of this good news? Great joy. For all people. You notice how universal that is. It's not just for a, a select few. No, it's great. It's good news for, of great joy for all people. And so today, and here's the reason why it's so joyful. Today in the town of David, a, everybody say Savior, has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. And so when you understand that joy is not based on happiness, it's not the same thing. It's not with the rising and lowering of tides. No, it's actually an origin in the reality of why Jesus came. And there's why he came. He said he became the savior of the world, right? And so when we talk about him being savior and we understand the, the ramifications of that, then the outcome is not just joy, but great joy. Okay? Are y'all with me so far? So it's very simple. 
how joy can happen. When you come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Savior of the world. As a matter of fact, that's what his name means. One who comes to save. And so some of you may say, well, okay, that's great. Saved from what? What's the question there? I'm saved from what? Well, let's talk about that. Let's unpack that idea. So when you understand that joy comes from knowing that your sins have been forgiven and you're in right standing with God, you can walk in joy every single day. Aren't you glad that your sins have been forgiven? What's the outcome of that? It's great joy. And I believe the psalmist David, even though he lived hundreds of years before Jesus, I think he understood this concept because remember when he had those moments where he failed God. How many of you know some of the greatest leaders fail? Aren't you glad that all of us have this opportunity for our sins to be forgiven. Watch what David says in Psalm 32. I love this. And notice the word he uses. Oh, what? Say it loud. For those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Watch what he says. Next thing. Yes, what joy, notice he says it again, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Is that good news so far? And then he says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and, and I groaned all day long. How many of you know that there's just something that, that eats at you when you don't get everything right with Jesus, Right? There's this, this weighing down of guilt and shame, and many of you felt that. Maybe you felt like it's chains that have been binding you for so long, but when you confess it and you, and you tell the Lord in complete honesty, here's what I've done, and you receive the forgiveness of God, how does that feel? So freeing. And you can hold your head high, and you can smile, and you can tell the world you have been forgiven. Doesn't that feel good? This is what Christ came to do. This is what joy is all about. Understanding that because of what Jesus did at the cross, you can now have right standing with God, and the outcome is he's the Savior of the world, and I have joy. And then whatever happens to me, I know that God is in control, and he's working for my good. And he continues to say this in verse 4. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And then the next verse. Finally I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And what is the outcome? You forgave me. And all my guilt is gone. Stop just for a second and think about that. Can we thank God for that? Can we thank God for salvation? Can we thank God that our guilt is gone? Listen to me, folks. If you have been battling guilt and shame all these years, I have good news for you. The moment you confess, it's there. The shame can go. The guilt can go. And what takes its place? Somebody help me. Joy. All right? Is that good news today? Are you glad for that? Can you give God some praise for the joy that comes? Amen. All right. So this is the outcome. I love also 
the, what, the, what the Old Testament pointed to, the New Testament gives us even clearer picture of what joy is. That as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, watch this. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God. Man, ponder that for a second. I'm in right standing. I'm in right relationship with God. One translation says I become the righteousness of God. It's, it's as if God looks at me and he doesn't see Lance Turner and all his sin and all his flaws. No, he sees the perfection of Christ. Boy, that's some good news, isn't it? So your standing with God is, is right. Now, obviously, that's, a, that's just the beginning of a relationship where you're continuing to grow in your faith, where you're continuing to be conformed. The Bible says conformed to the image of Christ. In other words, my thinking, my behavior starts lining up with who I am already. Y'all get that? Positionally, the moment I confess Christ, as if I, it's as if I'd never sinned at all, that I'm righteous. But then my mind, my emotions, my will have to line up with that truth as I'm walking with Christ. We call that sanctification. And that's a process. Aren't you glad that you're in process today? And the beautiful thing is, folks, God will not give up on you. As a matter of fact, he said in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he's with you every step of the way, and he's in your corner. Aren't you glad God's in your corner? Some, some people have this mindset, I believe, that God wants you to fail. That he's actually waiting on the precipice of heaven looking down with his ruler. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And every time you mess up, what's he going to do? Whack you real good. Folks, that's not how he operates. No, he loves you. He cares about you. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. But I promise you, if you will submit to him and allow him to work on the inside, he will make you more like Jesus. Amen. This is good news. This should bring you great joy. Because again, some of you walked in heavy with shame. Maybe something you did last night. You were afraid to come today because you felt like, well, if people knew what I did last night, they would hate me. Listen, folks, God knew it already. Did he not? He died for you. He offers his forgiveness to you. But here's what he does. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. Okay? So as we're in this process of becoming more like Christ, the guilt, the shame's gone, then here's, here's the greatest thing that you can do. Can, can I give you some good tips on how to walk in this life of joy? Allow the Holy Spirit to lead your life. And I understand, that's scary. Is it scary to anybody else? But when you think about this, if you let him lead your life, the outcomes that you truly, deeply desire, I promise you, they will come to pass. Because here's my question. You've been trying to do it on your own for so long. How's that working for you? I know out of my own personal experience, when I try to take over, 
when I try to lead my life, I end up making a royal mess of things. And I know you can identify too. And so here's the, here's the issue, or here's the question. Will you let the Holy Spirit lead your life? Because when you let him lead, here's what you get. You're probably familiar with this. Galatians 5, what does it say? But the fruit of the, say it loud. So in other words, when the Spirit's leading, there's an inward work that, that he's doing in you, and he's producing these fruit. Watch what they are. Do y'all recognize any of these that we're talking about? Love. That's what we're going to talk about on Christmas Eve, right? Joy, talking about today. Peace. Talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. All of these are a result of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead your life. Now, what does that look like? How do you let the Holy Spirit lead your life? Well, I think it's daily. It's daily getting up and saying, Lord, the temptation would be for me to take over today. I'm, I'm feeling like I need to take over, but nevertheless, I will let you lead. And then moment by moment, maybe every time it, it comes to your mind and you say, you know, in this moment right here, in this situation right here, I'm tempted to take over and make a mess of it, but here's what I'm going to do. Lord, I'm just going to let you lead right now. I know that's hard sometimes because we do get in our day and the day becomes really stressful and it's busy. But if you can take those moments throughout the day and say, Holy Spirit, you lead. I believe he will step in and give you the grace you need, the wisdom you need, everything that you need in order to live a life of, that's a life of joy. Here's another outcome that you see, Romans 15, 13. We actually read this a few weeks ago, but I want to... Read it again because it's powerful. May the God of hope fill you with all. Boy, that was weak. Say it one more time. All. And peace as you trust in him so that you may. Everybody say overflow. Aren't you glad for the overflow? The overflow that the Holy Spirit can give you. It's like this glass that's full of water, but you keep pouring it out. And it, what happens? It just overflows the rim. That's what happens. There's an overflow of joy. There's an overflow of peace. When what happens? When you allow the Holy Spirit to lead your life. You notice the catalyst here. You notice the common denominator of all these things we've been talking about. The common denominator for hope. The common denominator for joy, the common denominator for peace, all of them are who? The Holy Spirit. Are y'all getting this right? So the Bible is, is always about noticing in different places this coherency to what he's asking you to do. And so if you want to produce joy, it's always going to be when the Holy Spirit leads your life. I hope that helps somebody today. Can I get ultra practical with you right now? Because this third point is joy comes when you experience the presence of God. The psalmist says it this way. You will show me the path of life. Aren't you glad that God's willing to, to lay out your life? That he's willing to lead your life, to order your steps. And he says, so he acknowledges this. You have shown me to path, the path of life. And then he says, in your presence is fullness of 
And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So joy comes when we allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives. But also when we practice the presence of God. Now, Kay Warren says in her book, Choose Joy, she re- this is the definition that she gives of joy. The second one that we have here. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control. In some of our details, no, all the details of your life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. Turn to your neighbor and say, ultimately everything's going to be all right. Encourage them right now. And the determined, watch this, the determined choice to praise God when things are going great. That's not what, he, not what she said. What'd she say? Which means when everything's going bad, as long as I'm breathing, I got a reason to. Some of you know that, right? It doesn't matter, the circumstance. You notice this. And what's happening? We're choosing joy. That's really important. So when I think about this idea of praise and worship, that is really a formula for joy. Because what we're doing is, first of all, we're choosing to praise. It's not based on how I'm feeling. Well, I don't feel like praising today, so I won't. No, that's not how this works. No, despite how I'm feeling, God is still worthy. How I many you know God still deserves your praise despite however, however you're feeling? He's worthy. And so what, what it is, I'm making a choice today. Some of you came in, again, maybe you came in depressed. And you said, no, what, you know what, I'm not going to stay that way. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to sing loud. Why? Because it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. God is still worthy of my praise. This is the joy that we're talking about, the choice that you're making. Because what did David say? In your presence, there's fullness of? Okay, thank you. That's good. That's good, right? Do you guys, have you ever read the story in Acts chapter 16 of Paul and Silas? Has anybody ever read that? Are you familiar with that story? Where Paul and Silas have been preaching the gospel I mean, they've been preaching the good news. Here's the good news. What's the good news? Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross to offer you salvation, to offer you right standing. Good news, huh? But not to everybody. It was a threat to those around them. It was a threat to power. It was a threat. And so instead of rejoicing with Paul and Silas, what do they do? Anybody know what they did? They threw them into jail. Not only did they throw them into jail, they beat them senseless. I mean, literally, they beat them to an inch of death. All right, so I want you to imagine with me, you're in a jail cell, and the reason you're in a jail cell is because you shared good news. And your back is stinging with just, it's throbbing with pain. Are y'all getting this? And you say, man, God, I was preaching your word. Why did this happen to me? How many would do that? I would. But folks, that's not what Paul and Silas did. You know what they did? Praise. 
praise the Lord, oh my soul. In the middle of the pain, in the middle of the struggle, they did not get down. They didn't get down in the dumps. You know what they did? They praised, and you know what happened? If you've read the story, the whole place was shaken with the presence of God, and they were, they actually, the, the, jail, the jailer, he's like, oh, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? He's scared for his life. And they get, they lead him to Christ. Isn't that good news today? What's the point? The point is, Paul and Silas had every reason to have the molly grubs. They had every reason to be down in the dumps. But no, they, what did they do? They chose, they chose to praise. And what's the outcome? Joy. My own situation. Yesterday, nine years since my precious mother went to be with Jesus. And I remember those moments not long after she passed. And then my dad died six months later. Hard. So I had a choice to make, right? In the middle of a storm, I have a choice to make. I can get mad, I can get angry, but I can, or I can say, you know what, God? I trust you. That ultimately you're good. And joy, praise will be my response. I will choose joy. Can you do that this morning? Can you choose joy? Because the presence of God, it's like having somebody that you love dearly. Like last night, we had a ton of people at our house for our worship team party. And the joy that I experienced as the people that I love, the people that we care about, we do ministry alongside, came in the room. Times that a million for when you and I are in this room together, okay? And we say, I will choose to praise, I will choose joy, and understand that it doesn't matter if you feel him, he's in the room. Amen? When you walk in the room, here's what the Bible says. Where two or three are gathered, I'm in the midst. And so every time you come here for corporate worship, you can rest assured Jesus is taking notice. And when you praise him, what's the outcome? Come on, say it loud. Joy. There's joy in the presence of Jesus. Can I get an amen, everybody, today? Also, folks, there's joy in the Word of God. Now, as we're talking about practicing the presence of God, you have an outcome of joy, but I would say neglecting praise and worship leads to continued anxiety and worry. Why? Because Really, what you're doing, you're, you're failing to acknowledge that the, that the Lord Jesus is in your life and he's going to produce joy in you. So praise and worship is, a, is a, a great way to understand that joy is an outcome. The last one here, joy comes from applying the word of God. Psalm 119, here's what the psalmist says. I rejoice, everybody say rejoice, at your word or your promise like one who finds great spoil. One translation says treasure. 
Okay? I will rejoice in your promise like one who finds a great treasure. So, you got, anybody ever seen the, the movies Pirates of the Caribbean? Y'all enjoyed those movies? What's, what was the most of their pursuit? They're always looking for some kind of treasure. And listen, do you think you realize how they're willing to sacrifice and lose life to go find a, a few, maybe billion dollars worth of gold? The treasure is seized. Other people who are trying to, to get to the same treasure and how, how that, that pursuit is. You know, we long for that moment that we dig and then we discover that gold. Can you imagine if you felt that way about God's word? That you see God's word as full of treasures to be mined out or to be pulled out. And you begin to pursue it that way. That's exactly what the psalmist is saying. Listen, I rejoice. There's joy that comes to my life because I'm searching your word and finding great treasure. Amen. So as you read the word of God, as you memorize the word of God, as you tell the word of God, you know what you're doing? What are you doing? You're digging out the promises. So think about this. Let's say you're facing, let's say you're facing a difficult circumstances. And you understand that the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. But by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind. Guess what you've done? You've just mined out or dug out a great treasure. And then if you go on down in that same, that same chapter of Philippians chapter 4, and it says, my God shall supply all. Everybody say all. All my needs according to who? His riches in glory. Guess what I've just done? I've mined out a treasure of God's word. I've just given you two examples in one chapter. There are 66 books. Listen to your pastor. There are 66 books full of promises for you. You could actually list those promises and apply your name to them. You could write them on a card, whatever it is, and I, get, I guarantee you as you begin to mine out those treasures, there's going to be an outcome. What's the outcome going to be? Great joy. I love it. So you see how practical this is, folks, that joy is a choice. It comes by practicing the presence of God, but it also comes by mining out all of the treasures of God's word. I, I believe that Jesus had this in mind when he tells us in John 15. If you've read that whole passage, that whole chapter, you know that he starts with saying that if you'll abide in me, in other words, if you'll hang out with me, if you'll spend time with me, You'll bear much fruit. That's this whole idea of bearing fruit, right? And then he goes on to say here in, in verse 10, if you keep, go back to 10. If you keep my what? In other words, my word, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Now watch verse 11. I have told you this so that my may be where? And that your joy may be complete so you notice I'd like to make this observation this isn't 
God, this isn't Christ saying to you, giving you an ultimatum. Obey me or else. How many of you read it that way before? What if it was different where you said, where it's Jesus making an invitation? That all of the treasures that you have mined out in my word, if you begin to obey them and begin to walk in them, here's the outcome that you're going to get. Y'all, does that make sense? So it's less about, oh, you got to do this, you got to do this, pounding you with rules and regulations. No, if you'll obey his commands, the outcome will be joy. And what kind of joy? Complete joy. So it's not lacking anything. Aren't you glad that nothing's missing? His word is that valuable that when you mine it out and you begin to live it and obey it, it becomes a, a, a source of great joy for you, not a religious observance. Well, that changes everything, doesn't it? That when you listen to God's word, when you read God's word out of joy, out of anticipation, like it's a treasure, and then you begin to follow it, the outcome is great joy. Listen, you can go and read throughout history, even the writers of, of the Old and New Testaments, the, fa- the things that they faced, and yet those were overcome. They, they tran- their, their lives transcended their circumstances because they had the word of God. Where? It wasn't here. Where was it? Does that make sense? See, Christianity's not a, a head thing. It's a heart thing. God is chasing after you because he wants your heart. Now, I get it. Some of you, how you were were raised and how you grew up, it felt like that giving your life completely to God would be so restrictive. Anybody ever believe that? Well, if I become a Christian, I got to give up this, I got to give up this, and this, and this, and this, and you're like, where's all the fun in that? You've said that, haven't you? When the reality is, it's the opposite. Where do you think that lie came from? That it's too restrictive. I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the enemy. Because what's his goal for you? John 10 says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And guess what? If you fail to understand the reason why he gave you the commands in the first place, you will always walk around feeling like, oh, God's too restrictive. Oh, he don't want me to have any fun. When the opposite is true, the greatest joy you'll ever experience is obeying God's word. Would you agree with that? And here's the reason we agree. is because he created you in his image. He created you on purpose for purpose. And so every plan that he has for you, you can rest assured it's for your good. It's not to hurt you. It's not to harm you. It's not to restrict your fun and be a fuddy-duddy. No, everything he has for you in his word will bring you joy. And what kind of joy? Complete joy. Is this helping anybody today? Because when you find yourself 
in the next week or so, one week and one day away from Christmas. Can you believe that? How many of you have already been, felt the stress of it? How many of you have already said, man, I just don't have any joy. It's just too crazy right now. I've been there. What if we turned our attention and said, no, no, no. Yeah, I got to buy gifts. Yeah, I got to get ready for that party. And all that stuff's going to, I promise you, it's going to take care of itself. I promise you. But nothing replaces the reminder of why Jesus came in the first place. And the news, the news that those shepherds gave, what was it? It was good news of great joy. Can you be reminded of that this morning? That despite what's happening right, right in front of you, you can lean in to God's word and be reminded it's great joy. So as we're bringing this to a close, folks, the keys here are, number one, understand that you're in right relationship with Christ because of what he did at the cross. The first time he came was to be Savior, okay? Here's the other good news. The other arrival that we're looking for is way different. The first time he came as Savior, the second time he's coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming as the Prince of Peace. Aren't you glad for that? So everything that's ever happened in all of history, he's going to make it right. Thank you, Lord. So if you want to have joy this season, remember, you're choosing it. It's a product of your salvation. It's cultivated as you allow the Holy Spirit to lead your life. As you practice the presence of God and as you apply his word daily. That's the outcome. So how are we going to respond to this? Well, very practically, if you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you have faded a little bit, one step back, right? Place your faith. Receive the forgiveness of God. Let your guilt and shame be taken away the moment that you confess him as Lord and watch if joy doesn't well up inside of you. Give him control. Give the Holy Spirit. Say it moment by moment. Holy Spirit, I'm yours. Take my life. Practice the presence of God. I didn't mention this earlier, but it's good to do it in a corporate setting, isn't it? We, we praise God together. We look around, we see hands lifted, we, we hear people singing, we hear the baby singing. It's amazing, we feel joy. But what about in your own personal time? Do you look forward to spending time with Jesus? When you do, guess what the outcome is? Joy. Listen, get you a playlist. Go to Apple Music, Spotify, whatever, whatever stream, whatever you, because there's so many out there. But get you a playlist of songs that will uplift your spirit, whatever they are. I don't care, whatever style, whatever, whatever it is. And watch as, as you're reading your Bible, as you're praying, and you experience the presence of God. If joy does just overflow your life. I ch- that's a challenge to everybody today. Take the challenge. Spend time with Jesus. Amen? And then...
Lastly, read, meditate, memorize, apply God's word. Why? Because remember what we're doing. We're digging out the treasures of God's word. And the outcome is joy. Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.